Psychology in Seattle. So, Berto, have you heard about people believing in a flat Earth? <laughs> what do you mean believing? Like just knowing that it's a flat Earth? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought Many we'd talk us. about the, I thought we'd talk about the twelve reasons why people like you believe in a flat Earth. <laughs> I think it's awesome to do that. This is the Psychology and Seattle Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I'm a flat Earth advocate. So according to one non-scientific poll, how many Americans agree with the statement, I have always believed the world is flat? No, please, 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 please. Uh, like 1%. 2%. Oh, thank goodness. But 2%? Yeah. Jeez. So, and of millennials, young people today, of this non-scientific poll, what percentage of millennials don't agree with the statement, I have always believed the world is round? Oh my gosh, they don't agree? Please, 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 0.5%. 17. Oh! <laughs> so 17% of millennials, according to this one poll, disagreed with the statement, I have always believed the earth was round. Now, wow. now you can look at it a number of different ways. I one so. is the earth is not round, it's spherical. Yeah. Two, it's not even spherical, it's oblate spheroid. Yeah. Three, if you... If if I read this question, I'd be I have always believed the Earth was round. Well, not when I was a kid. Sure. Okay. Fine. Flawed poll. <laughs> but but I'm guessing the respondents knew what they were getting at. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me that there's a lot of uncertain people. Uncertain people. I mean, that's the one thing that's really surprised me looking into the flat earther people is not only. I mean, only a small percentage of people are pretty staunchly, I believe the world is flat. It's a pretty, it's a yeah. very small minority of very people. Very small community. But the percentage of people who mistrust science or, right. di- or who distrust or believe in conspiracies or don't understand astronomy, for example, right. is much higher than I realized. Well, have you really looked into it, though? What? <laughs> yeah. That's the common thing. Actually, when, when you l- actually look into it, when you really look at the data... It's yeah. really fascinating what you find. Do you know any flat earthers? Me personally? Yeah. I hope I don't. I do. <gasps> oh, other I, than me? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hanging out with him and uh-huh. other people, and I respect him. I like him. Uh-huh. I thought he was smart, or I think he's smart. He turns to me and he's like, like somehow the topic came up. I didn't bring it up, but someone brought it up. You know, here was, yeah. And then he kind of... The, the conversation can continue, the, you know, the crowd sort of talking about it. And I'm sitting here right next to him. He turns to me and he's like, well, you know, it is interesting when you actually look up the information. And I'm like, that's what I was just. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. He's like, no, 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 I'm serious. Like, I mean, I was looking at this, you know, stuff and it really, really, and he's being totally sincere. Oh, no. It really, really makes you think <gasps> about what we've been taught. Oh, and I'm, and he said a few other things that really indicated that he wasn't just questioning. He, he was serious. He thought the world was flat. Oh. Now he's probably not one of those people that's like joining the association sure. or going to the conventions or right. threatening to rocket himself into space to right, check it right. out. But he believes he's been fenced over. Yeah. But I mean, like, therefore, I don't know how deeply you delved like into the motivations. Like, is well, he like, so let's go into it in terms of the different reasons. But uh, first, um, what celebrities do you know of who believe the Earth is flat? 
Well, I hope not. Like, there's that one dude who was a game developer who was one of the main, uh, like one of the main people. I forget his name. Oh, I don't like, have him on my list. I I don't know. Are there celebrities? Someone on the View apparently, Sherry Shepard. Really? There's oh, a rap know. rapper, Bob. Bob. Okay. There's a reality TV personality, Tila Tequila. You know her. <laughs> Tila Tequila. Uh, <laughs> Cleveland Cavs, uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, uh, he has some quotes here. Can you really think of us rotating around the sun <laughs> and all planets align, rotating in specific dates, <sighs> p- being oh perpendicular? With can li- you can you actually picture little red, small little things coursing through your body? That's crazy. He went on to say, "Is the world flat or round? I think you need to do research on it. It's right. <laughs> it's right in front of our faces. They lie to us." Another quote wow. from him. I've seen a lot of things that my educational system said was real, but turned out to be completely f- fake. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, Daredevil Mike, Mad Mike Hughes. He's a Daredevil like, you know, evil Knievel, and he plans to launch himself into space to prove that Earth is flat, and many others. Now, caveat here all these people could be trolling us. In today's day and age, you just don't know. Sure. All of these people, Tila Tequila, uh, rapper Bob, Potentially even Kyrie Irving could be, and I, I think that's pretty that's it. Anyway. Yeah, they could just be making an inside joke. Yeah. Uh, they could all just be trying to get headlines without really thinking about it too much. It, you know, you can imagine um, Rodman saying something like this yeah, right. just to, like, get people to get angry at him. It, Actually, Kim Jong-un said that. Right. <laughs> Um, the second thing is, is although I might have already broken this rule, I'm going to try not to make fun of people who believe that the Earth is flat. Oh, um, whoops. <laughs> uh, they're wrong, but it doesn't make them bad people. It doesn't make them ridiculous. It doesn't mean that we need to ridicule them. You know, a lot of people believe in unscientific things, including myself. Right. And we just have to be careful about what we do, because I, I, I think it's part of the problem sure. that when elitists like you and me talk about science we tend to really denigrate people who aren't on board with us <laughs> and if you're if you feel like you're not inside our elite you know west coast circle educated circle you could you could tend to uh build an opinion about us where it's just like well i don't like those people and everything they say i don't like right including sound scientific information also some of these people i am guessing are legitimately mentally ill okay that is something that is often not talked about. Mental illness is a real thing out there, people. Delusions, psych- psychosis is a real thing. And when, you know, if someone was on the street saying, you know, they were like ranting and raving and homeless and they believe they were Napoleon, you wouldn't laugh at them, ho- right. hopefully. You would say, oh, that person's mentally ill. Well, someone goes on the internet and you don't even, you can't, the only thing you see is what they're typing into the internet. And they're like, the, you know, People, hey, sheeple, wake the F up. The earth is flat. The The chance that that person is, you know, the, there's a chance that person's mentally ill. Yeah. And so okay. we, just have, we just have to be careful. All right. I agree. Um, okay. So a history, a little history on this. Christopher Columbus did not discover that the earth was spherical in 1492. In fact, many of the ancient Greeks knew it was round or spherical, and many after them, including Columbus's contemporaries. If anything, Columbus confirmed that the earth was flat because he never reached India as he hoped. (laughs) He reached another land, which, you know, because he was hoping 
to circumnavigate. circumnavigate, which meant that the Earth would be confirmed to be spherical. In fact, he didn't. And he just uh, made it up that he had re- reached India and, there, and called everyone Indians, even though they weren't from yeah. India. To, to be fair, though, if, if you think there's a problem with people not believing science or believing that the Earth is this way or that way today, you know, it, it's not a fact that people knew facts back then. Right, so no one had read any books. No one had studied the Greeks or the Romans. Well, very or few. The, no one, like no one, percentage-wise, zero point zero percent. Right. Yeah. And therefore, as far as people knew, it wasn't. These weren't even really questions. It's like I don't know. The Bible says something. Yeah. And therefore, it is quite possible that even though people like Columbus and the Queen and other people were like, yeah. Yeah, we have a globe, but the question is, can your ships make it to go get the gold from the Indies? That's the question. Uh, it might be that his trip became like, oh, you know, I guess the world is round. But to your point, it's ironic because he never got to the supposed destination, so maybe it's not round. <laughs> right. Yeah. For hundreds of years, uh, there have been, quote unquote, flat earthers. Yeah. But they didn't have the internet, and they were just called regular people, right. and no one cared. You know, if you in in like medieval England, if you ran into someone who believed that the Earth was flat, it was it didn't mean anything. Yeah. It was just it was just I no think, one noticed him. I think it's the thing that no one had publicly, with high amounts of publicity, as far as you could get that back then, gone around the other way, and they didn't know it wasn't the Indies. Right, so yeah. it's like, oh, okay, cool, and recognize you call it the Indies, which yeah. is named after Indies. Yeah. Um, now, the International Flat Earth Research Society cropped up before the internet, I believe, and then the internet came along, and then I think what happened was a few prominent, or I don't know, a f- I, what I'm guessing there, there's probably no way to know is that since the internet came into existence, there's all there's always been flat earthers saying stuff, right. But it wasn't for some reason until recently, yeah. maybe after Trump got elected, honestly, that people started looking for things on the internet. This is all my speculation. And they found flat earthers and they started to publicize these people. And then a bunch of you know scientifically elite people like us laughed at them. More, There was more press. And then more people started coming out of the woodwork and going like, huh, I wonder what I wonder what idea that is because we live in a society right now where there are two major teams. You know, you have the Seahawks and you have the Broncos. You have New England and you have Atlanta. And there are uh, when you know when I'm a Seahawks fan. So when I see New England suffering, I feel pleasure. <laughs> yeah. And with you are a Republican, or if you're a person who doesn't like the educated elite, and you see them suffering, then you're then you get a little bit of pleasure, and you wonder who is making these people suffer, and you're like, huh, these flat earthers are making these elites suffer. I wonder what these flat earthers have to say. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of allegiance to, and I think that I think that's the undercurrent of this entire debate is I, the debate could... between uh, elites like you and me who have a certain point of view and talk a certain way and whatever we call the other team. I could definitely see that. I I also have a hypothesis that I don't know if it's in contradiction. I don't think it is. Uh, So personally, I I actually started noticing this trend rising starting in 2012. And I don't, 
I, I don't know that that's exactly the right time, but that's when I started noticing it. My hypothesis is this. 4chan, the 4chan phenomenon, uh, you know, the whole thing going back 10 years ago, it was really a community of trolls, you know, and and purposeful trolls. Like their whole thing was to like laugh at everything and everything, treat everything cynically and treat everything like sardonically and, and absolutely be sarcastic and absolutely uh, go along with things just for the lulls and things like that, right? Well, I was on that community often. I was mostly a, a, an observer, as they call it, a lurker. And did you get lulls from it? I did. Not for, there was a. I'd say sixty percent of the content I didn't because, uh, especially by two thousand eight, uh, they had started posting. A, they were definitely very obsessed with uh, very graphic, violent imagery and underage uh, pornography or underage stories about pornography or sex and things like that. So all that stuff, of course not. But there was this other like maybe 40%, I don't know, I forget what percentages I just said, but there was some other percentage that was interesting content because these people, at least back then, they seemed like kind of smart. You know, maybe they weren't like super socially awesome, but they were kind of smart. And they would post all these little interesting stories. They would make up a lot of stories. They would, a lot of the memes that became funny memes, they made up. You know, they just made up little funny things and all these things. So I used to kind of get an entertainment factor from that. But one of the things that would absolutely happen is someone would post some conspiracy theory. And a lot of people would go along with it just for the lulls, just to do it. And then they would even pile on like, oh, uh, here's one example. Someone would post, uh, does anyone remember penis inspection day back in school? And then someone else would join and say, uh, oh, dude, yes, I actually still have nightmares about it. And then someone else is like, wait, what? Was this a thing? Then someone else is like, what do you mean was this a thing? Of course it was a thing. You, don't, you didn't have this at your school? And then they would make this whole, this was a real one, this whole narrative. And people weren't even coordinating explicitly. Right. They were just doing it implicitly. So I think what that could have done is for the vast majority of people participating in that, yeah. they have what we might consider a reasonable reaction, either, ha ha, this is a joke. Yeah. I don't actually believe that they had penis inspection day. Wasn't that an actual 4chan thing? Penis yes, inspection? that was one of them. Um, or other people who were just confused, like, wow, I didn't know they had penis inspection. Like, they actually walk away going, right. huh, that's a weird one. Um, but I saw it on 4chan, so God knows. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then a small percentage of people who are maybe particularly susceptible to this sort of thing, right. they start going, wait, I think I re actually remember this yeah. too. I remember uh, I wasn't at school that day, but I'm pretty sure I remember my friend telling me yeah. that they did that. Yeah, because in swimming class, was that a thing in swimming? <gasps> yeah. Maybe it was a thing in swimming. Yeah, so I think a small percentage of people walk away from those right. kinds of internet activity and they kind of switch it around in their head and yeah. boom, it's locked in. And I think, so one of the things that I remember seeing in 4chan was absolutely flat earth stuff. And I wonder if, because we think of like, this was a very, very small community of people. But in those years and, and a few subsequent years, they were actually very influential, weirdly so, because they would develop things that they won't catch on and then people would use jokes or say things and they didn't even know it came from 4chan. So my hypothesis is that they started this seed among themselves of like question everything, everything's up for grabs, 
nothing is certain, wink, wink, but maybe not wink, wink. And then all of a sudden, the, the ethos is, who knows? Maybe everything we've been told is a lie. And now, now you have some people maybe graduating from there or maybe not even having been part of that, that see some trolls 50 page analysis about why the earth is flat, but it's all for the lulls. But they're like, oh, man, this sounds pretty legit. And now you have kind of non-soldier, casual people going, oh, I don't know, man. I saw some stuff on the internet that would curdle your blood. It's weird. Right. Because there is half of it is troll yeah. me- memes and data, so yeah. to speak. And the other half is people leg- legitimately right. believing and there's just so much out there. Now, we'll get into the 12 reasons why I think people uh, get into that. But uh, first off, how do we know that the Earth is spherical, Berto? Because flat earthers will be like, look, it, you know, it's your opinion against mine. Uh, right. So I think if you go way back, you don't have to go way back nowadays. But if you went way back, uh, you could do things like the, you know, do the angles of objects in, in the very far distance. You could do things like the ships disappearing beyond the horizon line. You could do things... Angles of what, exactly, in the long distance? Uh, so you, you measure, um, like, for example, you have, uh, a, like, a huge mountain in the distance or something like that, right? And then you measure, uh, like, from your vantage point, how many units of whatever you have, thumbs or, or cylinders or something, well, the how degrees, many units up the, it goes. The degrees and the... Yeah, and then, and then you travel, <laughs> and then you do the same experiment. And then if, if it was flat, you would expect that the degrees went up a certain amount. But if it's curved, you actually don't get the same result. Right. And stuff what, like that. What else? Uh, like I said, the ship's going down. And then also, uh, if you start observing the firmament and you see that all the objects that seem to be in, in the sky are also round or are round, right? Then Spherical. Spherical. Well, but to you, they're like round, right? They're they look like circles. Yeah, they look like spheres. Like the moon in its faces, it looks like a sphere. When you have a telescope, you might see that. But if you're just looking through the eyes, you're like... I, I, again, I'm rewinding the clock. I'm saying like a Greek looks up. It's like I look and I don't see stars. Stars are dots. But I see these other things like the moon. And, 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 and so then you might start forming a hypothesis like why would we be different? Like why would this thing be different than those? And of course, the first inclination was actually to say, "Oh yeah, this is definitely different. This is flat. That's not." Uh, but over time, some smarter thinkers start going, "No, actually, this is probably one of those objects, but we're on our own object. Those are different objects." Um, then uh, probably like the the estimations of distance traveled in like if you did a triangle, and you would expect a very long triangle, and you actually like counted how long it took for you to travel um you would expect one answer if the thing was flat and it's a different answer if it's if it's not yeah okay so what flat others say is have you done any of those experiments no. <laughs> personally well okay I, I have so everything you've gotten is from the internet i have done um well from books but i have done the uh the ship one but admittedly my eyes are not telescopes so so any other arguments you can make well, uh, nowadays, like yeah. nowadays, uh, from personal experience or the data we have, like both. Well, data certainly, like we have pictures, <laughs> we have, uh, we have th- the people posting online through their cell phones. 
about how the earth is flat have devices that could not work if the science that built those devices was wrong. And that science would absolutely be wrong if all the predictions... What's the science? Uh, well, for example, like we, we have things that we can do with lasers to measure distance to the moon, right? But then we also have, like, we know that we can't do that from, say, Australia and here at the same time. Right. Right. So we can't like. It, it, well, to be clear, it, it's using that example is when the moon is above the United States. Yeah. And you shine a laser to measure the distance. Right. And at the exact same time, you call your scientist buddies in Australia and you right. say, can you also measure it? They're like, we can't see we the can't moon. can't see the moon. And then you can say, well, that is evidence of a spherical Earth. Right. And then, and then you can also do the same thing with. And they uh, have done that. <laughs> right. And then you know the speed of light, and then you know uh, approximately the speed of light in an atmosphere. And then so therefore you can, you can determine, okay, if we were going to have satellites floating things up in this flat sky on this flat earth, and we were going to relay a signal from this point to that point and then this point to, again, say Australia, uh, that geometry is such that we would expect this much to be the delay. But yeah. it turns out you can't. You can't do it. You need more satellites. And therefore, and you've got to wonder, well, is that because the light's getting blocked? No. The light can't, there's not enough gravity for the light to curve around the earth. <laughs> so I just want to say, you are, I've measured your IQ at the 99.5% mark of IQ, meaning you're smarter than 99.5% of people on the planet. And you, I have to say, given all your knowledge and your rhetoric abilities, rhetoric abilities are not making what if a flat earther were sitting here a convincing argument and i the reason why i didn't know what you would do but the reason why i say this is because this is part of our problem is with when you come to flat earthers it's it's a weird thing it's a weird phenomenon that i've seen people do on the internet when they actually talk to flat earthers it's actually kind of hard to really you know convince them i have the data now most people the average person when you when they're confronted with this idea they're like well prove to me that the earth is is is, is spherical they'll the average person is just like well because it is you know they, they actually don't have what you have which is actual experimental observations that you can point to right but you didn't ask me how to convince someone you asked me how we know well that's the same it's not because if you ask me how to convince someone that gravity is a force, that blah, 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 I can't. Is that, well, why can't you just drop a thing? That does, proves nothing. That proves that there's something causing this thing to fall. That, how do you know that that's gravity, that that's a force that's accumulated by more mass? Show me that more mass influences gravity. Show me. How are you going to show me this? Well, we have measurements from the planets. Oh, really? Where's the, did you do same thing? And yeah. that's gravity. Yeah. Evolution. How do we show evolution? Well, there's the fossil record, and it's like, really, where's the fossil? I don't see the monkeys turning into humans. What can you do this with? The most might be something like, hell, I don't know. Like, uh, if I move my foot, you'll see it move. Well, let me, let, <laughs> let me try. Let me try. Sure. Which I think also wouldn't work with flat earthers, right. but I think would get to this point of convincing, which is I can show you documents and internet sites that point towards millions upon millions of people, documented human beings around the globe throughout history, 
around the globe <laughs> who have gone on record on their observations and have stated it as evidence of various different things, including a spherical Earth. The countless astronauts, the countless people who, you know, if there was ever a time for the Russians and the, you know, the U.S. Soviets and the United States to hate each other, it was during the heyday of the space race. Everyone agreed that the Earth was spherical. They sent, they sent things into space. Now, to me... Just shows how deep the conspiracy goes. Right. Well, but to me, that's a harder argument for the flat earthers to argue against because of course they would and they do. I don't think so, man. But well, let me just say it's another data point that you didn't bring up, which is that, that all of these people, millions upon millions throughout history, throughout many decades would have to conspire to agree. And none of them would come forward. (laughs) All of them would have the exact same picture because, you know, when you talk to flat earthers, they have different pictures of what the flat earth would be. Well, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I think, unfortunately, it's very easy because they say, look, of course their measurements made them think that it was round. Because I won't disagree that, just like a lot of science, common sense doesn't help us very much in this case. When you look up and you make some of those measurements, when you look at the ship going down in the horizon, it looks like it's going down in the horizon. But if you look through a high enough power telescope, it turns it's not, and blah, blah, blah. And guess what? All those, all those people didn't have the benefit of modern science. Modern science can finally show us the lie we've been fed. Right. And, and so it's, it's, but my point was this. I, I actually didn't mean to pretend that I, I am a very well-versed person in, it, in all the ways to demonstrate how the earth is round. But there have been the, – the scientific method has yielded uh, experimental result after experimental result in the billions probably – since the beginning of, of science. Right. Right. Probably, I mean, if we actually just counted certain things, every time your phone pings, yes. the GPS it's is confirming it. It's confirming it. <laughs> right. So trillions. So therefore, the, the, the first answer to the question was, well, even back when no one knew anything, there were ways to tell, let alone now. But the fact is, there is no way to convince someone that the spaghetti god of Venus doesn't exist. Right. It's sad. It's sad. Well, yeah. And actually, so, Berto, in a rare twist, uh, you have to leave halfway through this episode because I haven't even gotten to my 12 reasons. So we're going to take a break. uh, And then you'll disappear. And then I'll just continue this conversation. But yeah, I was going to get into that in terms of like, is it sad or is it, is it just like an innocuous thing that we see in society? My, my TLDR is it's sad and it's dangerous because we are letting this world, I mean, it had been already, but we're letting it maybe go back or, or continue to be led in a way where, oh, no, no, no one knows anything. Anything can be true. Everyone is lying. And instead of the thing that is built up, the infrastructure and the tools, and again, the same little phone you're using to say, oh, they're lying to us, science, oh, those elitist scientists, that thing was built on a foundation of scientific method. And we're letting all that be burnt and thrown away. Right. So where can people find you on YouTube? They can find me at Psychoberto Keskese. Well, without the Keskese. Psychoberto. And And what's uh, your next video going to be on? It's on uh, Saturday. Mo- I have one queued up on Saturday morning cartoons from the 80s. 
uh, or early 80s, I should say. Which ones are you going to talk about? Oh, I'm going to talk about Super Road, Friends. Roadrunner? Uh, I didn't have Roadrunner in my in my list, although so, I used to watch Roadrunner. Super Friends? Definitely Super Friends. Uh, Captain K, uh, you know, the Flintstones and Captain Caveman. Captain uh, Caveman? Yeah, Captain Caveman. Do you remember Captain no. Caveman? And Captain, and Cap, Caveman Baby or whatever. Wow. They had Plastic Man and Plastic Baby, speaking of which. Uh, they had the Herculoids. Oh, my God. They Is had, this a Colombian thing? No, these were all in New York during the 80, 1980. Oh. You might have not been watching cartoons at that point. <laughs> and no, I the, was, for sure. Well, you know, I, you, I watched He-Man. Thunder the Barbarian. You know Thunder the yeah, Barbarian. Yeah, of course. And you knew probably, later came He-Man, sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to kind of talk about the ones I remember. I'm going to talk about how the commercials were also a thing. I have a, a few commercials that resonated with me at the time. So really manipulated it. Really important topics like those things. Yes, very weighty topics. Okay, so we're going to say goodbye to Umberto, and let's take a break. When we get back, it'll just be me and you, the listeners. What do you say, Umberto? Because you deserve it. Oh, wait. <laughs> All right, we're back from the break. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast, do so now. Go to patreon.com. All the cool kids are doing it, and we love it when you become a patron. When you become a patron, the best thing about becoming a patron is that you get to know that you are rewarding us for doing what you like. The only reason why I can dedicate so much time to this thing is because people become patrons. When people don't become patrons, I really have to start working at my other job a lot more to pay the bills, and that means that the podcast doesn't yeah, it's good. Anyone who has been listening a long time knows there was a time in this podcast when I didn't have enough time to spend on it, and the episodes weren't very good. So if you can, please become a patron. That, that would be great. Okay, so let's talk about the different reasons, now that Berto's gone, about why people believe in a flat earth. Now, at the onset, I just want to say all 12 of these reasons are pure speculation. Only some of these, there are some data around, psychological data and research, empirical observation, lab research, that kind of stuff. So, But even those, it's hard to know, especially when you're thinking about a particular individual, which of these factors, if any, are playing a role. So that's what I just want to say before going to that. All right. Number one that I can think of is that some people misunderstand how scientific consensus is established. So not only do they misunderstand science in general, but they, under, they misunderstand how come certain ideas have become prominent in, in science. Like there are some people who believe, uh, you know, the consensus is that uh, global warming and climate change is a, lar a large factor involved in that is, is human uh, activity namely gr releasing greenhouse gases, but other kinds of things as well. So the consensus, something like 97 plus percent of scientists that are uh, in that field agree that climate change is in large part man-caused, human-caused. There are some, 2-3% of people in, the f in those fields who say that it's not human-caused. So what some people don't understand in the general public, which, is make, which makes sense to me because it's like, why would they know this, is that how does that consensus come around? Is it just that 
people get around and share their opinions? What is it? Is it just whoever's most popular? You know, if you're not accustomed to the way that these things work, you could have a a very different paradigm as to how these consensuses exist. Like there's a consensus right now that Drake is a wonderful musical artist. And you could say, well, scientifically speaking, in my opinion, Drake sucks. So therefore, the consensus is wrong. And when and you can be right about that. <laughs> you can you can be right that that Drake does in fact suck. Um, I personally actually like some of Drake's stuff, but my point is is that if you come from our culture, you can walk away thinking, well, you know, the consensus isn't always right. You know, certain presidents will be elected, and you can say the consensus was wrong there. And so when you translate that attitude and that belief system, that paradigm to the scientific consensus, you can have similar conclusions like, well, who cares that the consensus of scientists believe this and that? I mean, you know, the consensus is wrong sometimes. In the past, the consensus was that um, – I don't know. What was something that people – that cigarettes didn't cause lung cancer. That was the quote-unquote consensus. Well, it turns out they were wrong. Uh, the consensus – 300 years ago was that evolution wasn't a thing and that we were separate animals and didn't evolve from common ancestors of other apes. And the consensus was wrong back then. So it, there are confusions around like, well, how does the consensus exist and should I trust the consensus? And that's a very complicated thing because in my field, psychology, actually, there are certain consensus, there's a certain consensus around certain ideas in psychology that many understand to actually not be uh, right-headed. There's plenty, of cons- there's plenty of consensus around evolutionary psychology, for example, that most experts, even in evolutionary psychology, agree is not valid. And so there are a lot of things where consensus is not to be trusted. And so when you have a consensus that the Earth is spherical, uh, an oblate sphere to be specific, the, uh, sometimes it's difficult for people to go, well, why should I believe that consensus? You know, there's plenty of consent. You know, there, there's a consensus in our society that black people are stupid and criminals, and I know that not to be true, and so I'm going to dismiss that. So anyway, um, also uh, another element of this that I can think of is that when – the public or when individuals disagree with this consensus that the earth is spherical, we often react quite badly to this. I was saying this earlier with Umberto where we ridicule them and call them stupid and this doesn't really help them to come to our side. Number two is mistaking perception with reality. A lot of people will have a really hard time marrying their perception of the world with broader concepts like when you look outside, you don't, you don't see the curvature of the earth. You, the earth looks flat because you're on a very large sphere. And so when you're on a humongous sphere, at any point, the gradation of the curvature is so slight that you don't notice it in your regular life. Even when you're looking over vast differences, it's, it's hard to see. So there are some people who just really hold on to the way their perception is. They see with their own eyes that the world is flat. Other things are like, um, what's another common phenomenon around this? Well, 
this isn't super related, but it's sort of related in that there are people who, when they're driving their car, I always bring up this example, they're driving their car on the freeway and they um, will, they don't see a car in their blind spot because they don't look in their blind spot, right? They look in their mirrors, which actually have a blind spot and they don't see a car there. So they just get over. Now, if they knew a car was in their blind spot, they would not change lanes because they don't want to get in a car accident. They don't want to hurt themselves or other people. But because they don't see a car there, their their brain has decided there is no car there. So to them, they rely on their uh, visual senses to a great deal, they, you know, to a great degree. And they have a hard time thinking abstractly. It's sort of a, and I guess I hadn't thought about this, it's sort of a infantile way of looking at things, right? When we are babies, when we're infants, when we're toddlers, at a certain age, before a certain age, when we don't see something, we believe it's gone. This is why peekaboo works so well with young children is because you cover your face and there's a part of the child that is believing, wait, is is that person gone? Have they just disappeared? And then you show your face and it's this big surprise and and it's a big reveal and the infant smiles and laughs because it's it's um, tragedy averted, right, in comedy. And so is that the phrase, tragedy averted? And so some of us have arrested development for various different reasons and will retain that, I think, paradigm into adulthood where it's like, well, I don't, I don't see it and therefore it doesn't exist. And uh, that would be a problem. Uh, number three is institution. They also believe that institutions are inherently evil. There's a lot of people who believe this in, in general. And before you cast a stone, think about yourself. Think about like certain institutions that you think are evil, like big pharma or Monsanto or Trump or the Democrats or Russia or the caravan or Illuminati or uh, Wall Street. There's, I would venture to say everyone has some institution, you know, DSHS, Child Protective Services, psychiatry. Everyone has some institution that they believe is at least mostly evil, if not entirely evil. There's nothing that these people do, this institution does, that is good. Everything they do is bad. They're liars. They're, you know, conspirators. They're, you know, selfish, psych, you know, psychopathic. And so every, a lot of people have those, you know, those tendencies. Now it's rare that those belief systems are accurate when you actually have a nuanced understanding of that institution. And it's just a human tendency that I see. And it, it often irks me. Now, if, you know, certain institutions do evil things for sure, but it doesn't help us to create change when we just look at things in this black and white manner, because it's easily dismissible by people who we might gain support from. So a lot of people believe this. And if you're really prone to this, given certain experiences that you've had with institutions, then you could just say, well, you know, Yet another institution is telling me that the earth is spherical and therefore I don't believe that because I know that institutions are evil. 
So that's another, I think, reason as to why someone would believe in a flat earth. Number four is self-centeredness, narcissism. You know, it, it, some people wake up in the morning and they're just like, well, I think the earth is flat and therefore it is. And I don't really care what other people think because everyone else is dumb. You know, when you're narcissistic, not the personality disorder per se, but that personality trait, you developed that narcissism as a defense against difficulties growing up. And the working models, according to attachment theory that you developed, to cope with the difficult situation is that I am good and others are bad. So when you're an infant, when you're a toddler, when you're a young child, you're going up with abusive parents or parents that are chaotic or parents that are just generally neglecting of you. And so you have a choice. You can either say, well, Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. And you have another choice. You say, well, well, maybe it's my parents. Maybe my family is the problem and maybe I'm good. Well, for narcissists, that's what they decide early in life because they're desperately trying to cope with the situation that's difficult. And so they decide, well, I'm going to decide that it's them. They're the problem, not me. And in order to preserve some level of stability, they really have to prop up this idea that other people are dumb, they're insufficient, they're incompetent. And I am special. I am good. What this, what this does is it preserves some level of self-esteem. It's a veil. It's a very thin veil that the person props up, but it's, it's protective. And so when you have that point of view, when you have that filter, you could – one of the manifestations is to look at an entire institution, the consensus of the scientific community, and say they're all idiots because I know better. I'm smart. And they're all dumb. It's actually a very common narcissistic thing to do is, is to frequently rail about how everyone else is stupid and how smart you are, uh, regardless of what the topic is. So there's a certain vibe to it that, honestly, I can dip into at times. If you have listened to the podcast enough, uh, you know, you'll, you'll perceive that because I'm, as I've said in other podcasts, about 5% on the spectrum. And... It's a comforting notion to rail about that, to rant and rave like everyone else is stupid and I'm smart because it really props up that defense mechanism against the pain and loneliness that is just underneath that foundation, just underneath that uh, coping mechanism. It's a distraction, so to speak, and it's confirmatory to one's defense mechanisms, which are in constant need of confirmation to uphold stability and, and functionality of the psyche. And so uh, uh, sometimes people will just randomly choose a topic to be narcissistic about. Sometimes it's about politics. Sometimes it's about science. Sometimes it's about being a skeptic. And sometimes it's about flat earth, you know. So uh, that research has actually – this is one of the few data points we actually have is that research has actually found that narcissistic traits are actually associated with belief in conspiracies. Now, it's speculation that it – the broader picture is what I'm talking about, but I, I'm comfortable in that speculation that when you grow up with that defense mechanism and those working models of self and others, you are attracted to conspiracies because once you fall into that world of conspiracy, there's some very attractive mechanisms at play. One is, is that the people who see the light are special. They're smarter. They, you know, they've woken up. They're no longer a sheeple. 
and all the masses and all the other people and all the institutions and all the people who know things, they're all idiots. You're special. You have seen the light because you're smarter than everyone else. You'll see this actually in other kinds of phenomenon that are akin to this, such as narcissistic people believing that they've disproved Einstein. It's actually kind of a thing on the internet and in the world where certain people will crop up armchair astrophysicists and they believe they've solved the riddle of the universe. And they'll say things like Einstein was wrong. I figured out why. And there's various different roads to that point of view. I mean, one could just be a legitimate inquiry into the nature of the universe. But in my experience, a lot of times it's narcissism. It's this need to prop up this notion that you're special and that you know things and that everyone else is stupid. And uh, for some reason, some topics just uh, attract that sort of coping uh, activity. And disproving Einstein is one of them. Because one, it's an interesting topic. And two, you can never seem smarter than if you actually did debunk Einstein. Three, general relativity, special relativity, and other uh, ideas of time and space are so complicated that you could mistake your own ideas for being smart, even though they're not. And you could impress people at dinner parties because no one knows enough to disprove what you're saying. So until you actually interact with an actual physicist, you'll actually probably not get a lot of pushback because people are like, well, geez, I don't know. This guy seems smart. So anyway, uh, number five is that some people just feel dumb. You know, they, they're, they're not confident in their education. They never really got physics. They never really understood how astronomy works. They don't understand how gravity and everything. And they just have low self-esteem and they just feel kind of dumb. And so as a way of coping with that as a shortcut, they just, they just discount science altogether because they want to feel less dumb. And so they'll just be like, oh, scientists, they don't really know what they're talking about because they're trying to protect themselves from their low self-esteem regarding the fact that they just don't really get it. Number six is religion. There are a lot of people who really believe in these, what I consider to be metaphorical religious notions that the heaven is above and that hell is below. And as our society becomes less religious, there are many people, many religious people are afraid of what that means. And they will hold on to certain ideas and they'll become more, um, firm in their ideas. Certainly a lot of religious people loosen up as well, but, but some people don't. They get, they get afraid of the emerging atheism and it, it makes them question their own beliefs. And they might turn to certain rigid beliefs like the earth is 6,000 years old and the earth is flat and all this kind of stuff because they want to, they're afraid of whatever it means to be closer to an atheist or something. Number seven is the internet. We talked about this earlier. Umberto was talking about 4chan. I think that the internet absolutely might play a role in people developing this notion that the earth is flat. It's an easy place where you can propagate propaganda, where you can troll people, where you can get to, you know, if there are a thousand people across the planet who believe in a random thing, they can meet each other on the internet and support each other. Before the internet, they were just alone in their village with no one to, to support their ideas. Whereas on the internet today, you can, you can really find your people, which is a good thing 
absolutely and sometimes a bad thing. Number eight is existential anxiety. You know, we all know we're going to die, right? We all know that death is inevitable. And that uh, idea scares us naturally. We also, once we learn a little bit of astronomy, we start to learn that the universe is vast. And by implication, the universe doesn't really care about us. And by implication, that means we're not really safe and that freaks us out. And so one answer to that anxiety is to just say, well, science is dumb. They don't know what they're talking about. And the earth is flat and I'm going to heaven and everything's going to be fine. So I think that's another possible factor. Number nine is that people are feeling out of control and unsafe in general, not just with existential dread, but just in general, like they have PTSD, they've been abused, or they live in a, they live in a, in a society or in a community that doesn't make them feel safe or a family that doesn't make them feel safe. And so they're just generally walking around anxious about their life. A lot of people are in this category. I mean, something like a third of Americans will qualify for an anxiety disorder sometime, some point in their life. And that's people that rise to the level of an actual disorder in the DSM. There's probably another third who have traits of anxiety at some point in their life or ongoing but don't rise to the threshold of a diagnosis. And so there's a lot of anxious people walking around. Uh, fear is a very helpful emotion. It probably very much helped us when we were, uh, you know, in the wilderness as living among other animals, such as predators, lions, tigers, bears, that sort of thing. We absolutely were a, we absolutely were prey. We tend to think of ourselves as top of the, of the chain, but until we had actual technologies and, and whatnot, we were absolutely prey. We were the we were the gazelle being eaten by cats and other kinds of things. And so we um, are afraid. We're we're very we're a very fearful uh, species. And when we feel afraid, we look for ways to feel less afraid. When we were uh, back in the old days, we would find a tree to climb up or we'd find a cave to go into or we would get a stick or we would band together or we would get a rock and attach it to a stick so we could beam people, beam predators over the head with it. There's just, we are, we're, we're an industrious, we're, we're just as, as, as fearful as we are, we're, we're just as industrious, we're just as good at coming up with ways to help us feel less afraid. And one of the ways that we will find, according to research, is that we will, we will look towards conspiracies to, to comfort us, which is kind of weird, right? It's like, well, wouldn't conspiracies scare you? But actually, people in general would rather have an answer than no answer at all. No answer at all is more scary than having a scary answer, if that makes any sense. This is true for a lot of people when it comes to, to medical problems. They will have all these symptoms and they'll be very, very afraid. They'll be like, what does this mean? You know, how come I'm feeling this? What's this pain about? I don't know. And then they're given a diagnosis of you have a terminal illness and you're going to die in two years. Well, obviously that would freak people out, but for some people that actually relieves them. They're like, okay, good. Finally, I have the answer. I'm not happy. I'm going to die in two years, but for five years, I've been looking for the answer. I finally have it. This feels good to me. We are a people who likes who like to know what is happening to us. And when you're dealing with a society with all these moving parts, political systems, financial systems, societal systems, the internet, 
your job is in flux. You're, you know, maybe you're, you're working at a company that just regularly lays people off and suddenly you'll be out of a job. Our bodies are out of control. Like certain things, you know, my, my mom just got cancer and my brother just can, you know, this, he got in a car accident and, you know, there's just so much uncertainty. Well, one of the things you can do is you can believe in conspiracies, which the research has found that, you know, the more anxious we are, the more likely we are to believe in a conspiracy. They've even done lab tests on people where they will take a control group and do one thing with them, just normal experience. But with another group, they'll scare them with something or they'll ask them to think about a scary thing. And then they measure how how ready they are to believe in a conspiracy theory. And those people who were made to feel a little bit afraid are more likely to believe in a conspiracy theory in the lab. So it just feels better to know the answer. Like, you know, the world is unsafe and everything's unsafe. Well, it's Monsanto's fault. I believe that GMOs are the problem. I believe that vaccines are the problem. I believe that Trump is the problem. I believe that Hillary is the problem. I believe that the Illuminati is the problem. I believe that science is the problem, that the earth is flat. And it's extremely comforting to land on that. And there's a lot of reasons and motivation and incentives to dig your heels in because once you're pull, you know, you fall on, you, you land on that answer, the earth is flat and you, and you suddenly feel less anxious. Someone comes along and is like, dude, you're an idiot. The, the earth is spherical. What, what's wrong with you? And you're like, okay, so I, I'm at a Y in the road. I can believe what this person is telling me and be anxious again, or I can dig in and go on the internet and find reasons to debunk this person. And, uh, and I won't be anxious. Well, I don't know about you out there in podcast land, but I'd rather choose option number two. If I didn't know, if I didn't know of any other options and that was my only option, I'd be like, you know what? I don't care if I'm believing in something quote unquote wrong and quote unquote some, in, in something that people don't appreciate and agree with me on. I just don't want to be freaking out all day long. I don't want to be afraid. And this notion makes me feel better. I'm going to believe in it. I think a lot of people are in that category. There's a lot of scared people out there. Number 10 is low IQ. It's something we often don't like to talk about, that there's a bell curve of IQ, but there absolutely is. About 50% of people have an IQ below 100 or 101. And um, as I was saying earlier to Umberto, he's at like 99.5%. I've measured him, and I'm in a similar range to him. And we tend to hang out with other people at the high end of the IQ spectrum. But half of people have a what I would consider to be a pretty low IQ. And there's a lot of reasons why that could happen. That could happen just from the way you're born, but you can also have brain injury or stroke. Drug abuse can cause brain damage. There's a lot of roads to having a, a compromised cognitive uh, processes. Well, that can manifest in a number of ways, uh, You know, one of which, which is pretty rare, I imagine, is the... Uh, inability to really think through a problem such as whether or not the earth is spherical or not. For example, I was watching, there's actually a famous viral uh, clip of these TV show hosts on the QVC shopping network where the hosts just randomly got into this argument about uh, one was saying that the, the moon was a planet and the other one was saying, no, 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 the moon's not a planet. The moon is a star. 
And they're just going back and forth. They're like, no, the moon's a planet. No, the moon's a star. And when you watch this, you're like, holy crap. These people are uh, smart enough to be TV hosts on a QVC show. uh, And they're arguing about whether or not the moon is a star or a planet. And at first you're like, well, you know, those are just two randos. What, maybe they're just the, the two, you know, only people who would misunderstand that. Well, a, a news uh, outfit was covering this story, and actually in L.A., I think, and they went to Griffith Park, which is the astronomy observatory in, above L.A. Uh, on the mountain, you know, the hills up there. And they're in Griffith Park, which is actually a, a little museum about astronomy and whatnot. So presumably, at least there's some exposure to it. And presumably, people who are at Griffith, Griffith Park are more likely to be interested in astronomy and that kind of thing. Where they're going around asking people, is the moon a planet or a star? And a lot of people, just these random people, see, you know, they, the people from the looks of it look like they would know such a thing if there's such a look to it, which is, you know, again, just going off uh, false stereotypes. A lot of people could not, did not know the answer. A lot of people were like, oh, the moon, it's a star. And a lot of people, are, no, 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 the, the moon, it's a planet. And some people, there would be a couple where the wife would say it's a planet and the husband would say it's a star. And then the, you know, the host would be like, um, it's neither, it's a moon. <laughs> It's a satellite of a planet. And so now what does this illuminate? Well, it illuminates a potential low IQ because in order to retain things like education in as a child, which I'm sure most people have been exposed to at some point during their education, uh, you have to, IQ has, a, has an element. It's one of the things that people don't often associate with IQ, but memory and the ability to recall things is absolutely a part of IQ. Uh, remembering things is super related to IQ. The the other thing is that we can't guarantee that some people have uh, just like really bad education. <laughs> um, it's possible that there are some people in the American education system who have never done a module on whether or not the moon is a planet or a star. <laughs> or while they were doing that homework, they did not care about it and just blew it off, right? So we just take for granted, like, well, hasn't everyone learned about the different heavenly bodies and what they are and what they mean? Uh, plenty of people have not. It's it's something that, I mean, like, as a converse to this, um, you know, we recently did an episode on Kanye. And one of the stark examples of this was when Kanye uh um, co- collaborated with Paul McCartney and many people on Twitter were like, who's Paul McCartney? What's going on? And to me and the people in all every, uh, probably everyone I know, including many young people, you know, much younger than me are in love with Paul McCartney. They, they know his entire career. They know pictures of him when he was a teenager, when he was in twenties, you know, they, they have many Beatles records, many Paul McCartney records. And to the notion that you wouldn't even know who Paul McCartney was to a certain group of people is, is ridiculous. Like, how do you go through this world without knowing who Paul McCartney was? And that yet there are people who grew up in the United States who might have been sitting right next to you in high school, and yet they don't know who Paul McCartney is. 
And what this shows us is that, and, and these people who don't know who Paul McCartney is, they're not stupid. They are just exposed to a completely different set of data points. Those people will look at us and they will find something about us that we don't know about that they will be appalled by. There'll be some hip hop artist or some YouTuber or something. And they'll say, well, do you know about this person? And we'll be like, nope. And all of us in our circle will not even know, will not know a single thing about that person. And they'll be like, you don't know about so-and-so? How do you not know about, how do you go through this world without knowing about so-and-so? And so a lot of people could have just never really been around that information. You know, for me, in my circle, it's not uncommon, even in my own family, for us to just randomly bring up astronomy facts. Like, I was reading the paper today that they finally found where a black hole was, and they actually took a picture. It was pretty cool. And other people at the dinner party be like, oh, yeah, I saw that. Like, that's a topic of interest for me. And there are people in the world who, in fact, I'm guessing most, who don't care and don't know and wouldn't even know how to begin to have a conversation about that. But they could have conversations about things that I would have no idea about. And so I think that's another reason. A number 11 is loneliness. I think that loneliness is absolutely a factor in some people's attraction to the flat earth hypothesis because it, when you believe in a flat earth, you have instant friends. Now you're instantly being ridiculed by most people, but there's a small group of people on the internet and maybe people in your own community who you instantly have a bond with because you're both in the foxhole together. You're both being marginalized by the larger society and there's nothing more bonding than that. You can just be like, man, the rest of the world sucks and we know the real answer and let's go to the flat earth convention. You have an instant group of friends and this is something that I see in micro when I worked with a lot of teenagers you know, one of the phenomenon, one of the phenomena that parents will complain about in their teenagers who are rebelling is that they'll, uh, you know, have quote unquote bad influences as friends. And one of the things that I discovered in my work with teenagers that as I was studying them, as I was treating them, was that many, many teenagers feel alone and they feel rejected. And they feel like they're not worthy of friends and they'll never have friends. And it's hard to find friends when you're 15, 16, especially after certain friend groups have already developed and you missed that train or you move to a new school. Well, an instant way to get friends is to find some oppositional force. So say you're 15 years old and you're like, yeah, I was thinking about smoking a cigarette. You know, I was, I don't know, cigarettes seem kind of cool. I was thinking about smoking a cigarette. And then you see someone behind the dumpster smoking a cigarette. Well, you go over there and you're like, hey, can I bum a cigarette? Well, now that person who's smoking a cigarette has a friend to smoke a cigarette with. And you, and the person's like, yeah, great. Here's a, here's a smoke. And you start smoking a cigarette. And the teachers are, now you're, now you have to hide. Okay, you have to hide behind the dumpster because the teachers and the janitor and the principal and maybe even other kids are going to rat you out. And now you have this instant bond. You have this instant enemy that both of you have to bond together on and, and you instantly start building trust. You know, you start being like, man, that person really has my back because they, you know, they've never told on me before. And now when you're in class together, you're like, hey, you know, you want to sneak behind the 
dumpster and smoke a cigarette. And you, it's just within two days, you could have a best friend. Whereas in normal ways of developing friendships, it could take a long time. Now, you can extend this to gangs and violence and crime and other drugs, skipping school, um, you know, other kinds of things could, could do this. So it, it's a shortcut to not being lonely. Uh, and one of the many ways that humans will be attracted to, to do this is through believing in flat earth and advertising that and finding other flat earthers to become friends with. I think that this is actually a very common factor in a lot of people doing this. Number 12, the last one here is rational distrust of authority. I've already kind of talked about this before, but when you go through life and you're frequently disappointed and marginalized and mistreated by authority, then, you know, like racism, for example, you know, imagine being lied to that your race is criminal and that your race is dumb by everybody around you, you know, not just people in in your neighborhood, but governments, teachers, even scientists. I mean, there are whole scientific traditions that, in fact, you could probably guess there's probably something in every scientific discipline where racism was a part. Astronomy, it's kind of hard to imagine. I mean, certainly racism in terms of like who they allowed into the ivory towers. But, but in psychology, for example, there were experiments done on black people that they would never have done on white people because they considered black people to be subhuman. And so they would just do these experiments on black people, um, mainly in the medical field, not as much in the psych- psychological field. But, but I'm sure psychology would have been involved if it had more as much research dollars as the medical field did uh, 100 years ago. But anyway, so when you grow up in that world, like it's rational, it's, it's smart to believe that institutions are wrong and against you and trying to trick you and lying to you. And so you begin to, try, you begin to distrust everything. It's rational to do that. It's, it's right-headed to be very skeptical of what institutions and what the consensus is saying, particularly among other white people, right? And so, you know, I think that's another attraction. In fact, the, the people that I know who believe in flat earth, I think that's a pretty big factor. So in conclusion, does it matter? Umberto answered this question and let me answer it as well. In some ways, it doesn't really matter. It's a minuscule percentage of people, very, very small percentage of people uh, are even questioning, let alone believe that the earth is flat. And there's really no noticeable consequence. Uh, There are speculations of consequences as to what the consequence would be. But it's not like we have a direct correlation between a belief in flat earth and something bad happening to society. And you could argue that Believing in this could actually help because it motivates the scientific community to figure out how to communicate better with its people. Because I I think a major part of this that I was alluding to earlier is that we, as a scientific community, we just really have a hard time communicating to the general public. You know, scientists are pretty good at some things. You know, when I was taking uh, classes on research design and I was doing dissertation, at no point was 
there any discussion or instruction or reading materials on how do you convince other people, particularly lay people, about your findings? There's nothing about that. But you have tons of classes and modules on statistics, on validity, on reliability, on p-values, on MANOVAs, on ethics, and how to not exploit research participants, how to uh, be ethical in terms of authorship, how to write in APA, oh my God, how to write in APA style in a dissertation, um, how to not plagiarize, but not a single bit about how do you convince a layperson about your findings? How do you communicate to them so that they understand what you're saying so that they can benefit from what you're saying? Because isn't that what we're all ultimately trying to do mostly is trying to make the world a better place, you know? And so I think we've lost sight of that to some extent. So because of that, um, so because of this flat earth, I would hope that as a scientific community, we would really look ourselves in the mirror and say like, how have we disappointed and, and let these people down so that they would actually come to a conclusion that the earth is flat? So in some ways, it's not a problem and it, it could be actually good for us. But I think there are some definite reasons to believe that the flat earth movement, so to speak, is a bad thing for society. I think that it continues a cascade of mistrust of science. And when we have a cascading distrust of science, it leads to a lot of bad things. It leads to a continued belief that humans aren't contributing to climate change, which is perhaps the worst consequence of this whole thing. I mean, we as a people have to do something. And in order to do something, we have to all acknowledge that we as a society and as a government and as a system and as individuals are continuing to rape the planet and consequences are coming. I mean, there are models that within 100, 200 years, we could have apocalyptic conditions for many people and the planet could just look a lot differently. In 500 years, we could cause a runaway greenhouse effect where we're all dead. Every living thing's dead, like Venus. So it's possible. And to play with that, to play with fire like that is just like so silly. And in order for us to be motivated as a populace, we have to understand science. We have to trust science. And we have to understand how scientific consensus is derived. And when we have people throwing out these ideas that entire scientific communities are wrong, then we run the risk of believing in a lot of things that hold us back. Um, you know, anti-vaxxers, when, when they believe in, in their anti-scientific ideas, this leads to people getting sick and maybe even people dying. It also leads to denial of consensus of research. Like everyone who studies gender understands that sexism is real. Everyone who studies, every scientist in the realm of anthropology and culture, or not every, but, you know, the vast majority, understand that racism is real. And when you have a general um, rejection of scientific consensus, then it's easy to translate that and generalize that to denial of that research, to just say, well, you know, what do they know? Uh, Earth is flat. And what do scientists know? 
and racism and sexism, they don't, they don't exist because what do they know? It's just a, a general, just complete dismissal of millions of professionals and data points who, uh, that all point towards a particular thing. You're just like, no, I deny that whole thing. And so I think it is kind of a slippery slope. Um, other kinds of consequences could be like you won't take your child to the physician. You know, when you deny science in general, one of the things that you might start denying is medical help. And you and there are people who will not take their children to physicians. You know, there's this news story going around. I don't know if it's real or not, but where this church was, I think it was a church, was giving out these special potions, essentially, they weren't calling them potions, that were going to heal people of things. And what the what the concoctions were made up of was bleach. It was like watered down bleach. And there were adults uh, drinking the bleach. It was supposed to like cure them of certain things. And they were also making children, young children, like two-year-old children, something like that, drink this watered down bleach. Now, this is shocking, right? Imagine seeing that. Imagine seeing a parent being instructed to make their young child drink bleach. And when the child has a reaction, a bad reaction, because it's terrible to drink bleach, then the powers that be who are denying science say, well, that's, that's the potion working. So now I don't know how much of anti-scientism is involved in that, but it's got to be some part of it, right? It's got to be some part like, well, wait a second. Um, what does the internet say about drinking bleach? I mean, it doesn't take long to Google that thing. And when you just have a general mistrust of institutions and science and society, then this sort of thing can happen. And it's one thing to drink bleach yourself and to take that risk, but to force it down a child's mouth, I mean, yeesh, right? So it's really important that we have effective communication about science and that we don't walk around ridiculing people for not uh, believing what we believe, but that we take responsibility for it and say, what can I do to help the communication of science? And what can I do to help people who are anti-science to loosen up a bit? What can I do to make them feel more comfortable with me so that we can engage in a dialogue so that I can influence them? What can I do for that? And you know, that doesn't involve ridiculing or making fun of or calling them stupid or all that kind of stuff. So let's all do that. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You really, really do. <laughs>